Amen. All right, the book of John, chapter number two. That was the homework assignment. Chapter number two. This, while you are turning, this picture up here, this lighthouse, it's a nice picture. There's just no place for it here at the church. Um, if anybody wants it, they can have it. If not, it's going to the thrift store probably tomorrow. So, if anybody would like to have that, it's all yours. Make sure you get it today, because if not, it's going tomorrow. John chapter 2. I'm going to read through several verses here, and then uh, go into a study that is an interesting study. Every church I've ever been to, uh, every Christian I've ever been around, this has been a discussion on wine in the Bible. And I believe that this one passage here could clear up all of the other discussions in the Bible. Every church I've ever been in, uh, including this one, I've known of people that believe it's okay to drink socially, or they believe it's okay to have a little bit, and that the Bible justifies it. There's been people that have argued with me about that, but uh, there's several verses in, in the Bible that people use to try to justify uh, social drinking or things like that. And uh, I want to look at this today. I've been studying in the book of John just in my personal studies, and uh, so I wanted to go over this this morning. Brother Thren, next Sunday we'll be uh, singing during, during Sunday school, uh, so we'll be in the sanctuary. Then after that, Brother Stephen's going to start a study on the Holy Spirit, and so I'm looking forward to that. And so I'm going to cover this today and get as much as I can in. There's a whole lot of scriptures that we could cover there's just not time to do today, and maybe we can continue it if we need to later. But John chapter 2 and verse number 1. The Bible said in the third day, this is three days after his temptation in the wilderness. On the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. This is the only recorded command Mary ever gives in the Bible. Regardless of what is taught about her, this is the only command she ever gets. And it's whatever Jesus says, that's what you do. That's the only command that's ever given. I'm not going to teach on that right now. In verse number 6, And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now, and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast, I like how the Bible defines itself, the governor is the ruler of the feast. Same person there. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew. Uh, and I think this is interesting. It gets a little a little wink after that. Like the servants knew, wink. You see the you see the punctuation there in your Bible? Got a little winky face. Servants knew, wink, wink. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men had have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. And so this is the 
first miracle that uh, Jesus performs at this wedding in Cana. And it's one of the passages of many that people like to use to say that uh, social drinking or drinking at all is acceptable in the Bible. And they use the verse that says, uh, uh, um, be filled with the Spirit and and not filled with uh, wine, or uh, not be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And they use verses like that. And uh, to try to prove that it's okay to drink wine. So I'm going to look at this story for a few minutes in in the in this Sunday school lesson and talk about this turning water into wine. Uh, there in verse number six it says, and there were uh, and there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Now there's a lot of different uh, commentaries and things that give the size of a firkin, and it's anywhere like 8 to to 10 gallons or 40 liters or something like that. So there's a lot of different people, but I'm just going to go with the the 10 gallons. That's a round number. So that's how much a firkin is. So that would have been 6 times 20 or 6 times 30 gallons is how much water they brought to Jesus to turn to wine. It says 2 or 3 firkins. That's what the... Bible says so uh, it's going to be anywhere from 20 to 30 gallons I'm telling you if he turned that into fermented wine that was 120 to 300 gallons of liquor that Jesus made for this celebration of a wedding uh that that would be some party wouldn't it if you got about 50 or 60 guests there that's a lot of that, that that's a lot of alcohol and uh that would be a Anywhere from two to five gallons of wine per person that he created there. Uh, the the first original teaching of this passage about Jesus turning this into fermented wine was uh, by none other than the Catholic Church, the Italian Roman Catholic Church. Rome is in Italy, and uh, they take this passage, they take Matthew twenty six, they take John six, and we're going to look at some of these passages in just a moment. And uh, they tried to make this fermented wine, that Jesus turned the water to wine. And I've seen people, man, just argue and argue and argue that this, that Jesus made this fermented wine for them to drink. And uh, it's something that's taught by a lot of people, a matter of fact. Um, so they teach that he turned this to fermented liquor. This is uh, the first Christian's brother's distillery right here. Jesus started it. Tax exempt. Amen. Uh, And so uh, Catholics have been uh, running with this ever since then, since AD 502 today. The Roman Catholic Church is the only so-called Christian denomination that has never opposed liquor trafficking officially as a church. They're the only one that's never as a church stood against it. They can't stand against it. They serve it every Sunday at their church. So they can't stand against that. Uh, every other denomination, uh, Baptists, Lutheran, Presbyterians, Anglicans, Methodists, Pentecostals, Church of God, Nazarene, Wesleyan, Methodists, Congregational, Reformed, and others have spoke up against it. The Catholic Church is the only one as a church that has never spoke out against alcohol, the sale of it or the creation of it. Uh, they've got a problem with that. Uh, verse number 9, uh, the Bible said, When the rule of the feast had tasted... The water that was made wine. The water that was made wine. I heard a joke years ago. I don't remember exactly how it goes. I'm going to try to reform it the best I can. But it was an old backwoods preacher 
who had been getting uh, a little bootleg liquor, uh, liquor on the side, and uh, he was pulled over to the curb by a police officer uh, for some wobbly driving down the highway. And after seeing the preacher's license, the officer said, what you got in that big bottle laying in the seat? The preacher assured him it was distilled water. Well, the police officer picked it up, took a whiff of it, and said, that ain't water, that's some kind of wine. And the, uh, whereon the preacher clapped his hands together and hollered, bless God, praise the Lord, he done did it again. He done did it again. So the question that comes up in this passage and again, I've, I, every church I've ever been to, even, even since our, our church is eight years old, and I've had people argue with me here about this subject of is it okay to social drink and was the water turned to wine? And every wino knows Jesus turned the water into wine, don't they? I mean, you go downtown Birmingham, go anywhere, go into, go into the Southern Baptist Church down the road and talk to them about this, and they will tell you Jesus turned the water to wine, it's okay. Uh, so the question is, did Jesus make enough homemade brew to get 50 plus people drunk in this passage or was it grape juice that he manufactured himself that's the question this morning and i want to i want to look at this for just a moment uh, let's look at some facts about wine in the bible here for just a moment um, this wine that jesus made was not like one drop of wine that any catholic priest has ever drank or given to his people Ever. It was nothing like that. All right, look with me in Isaiah chapter 65, verse number 8. Isaiah 65, 8. Listen, preachers used to stand in a pulpit and preach against drinking. I don't know when the last time you heard a full-blown message on, on alcohol, but it ruins people's lives. This marijuana plant, processing plant's about to go in right here around the corner from our church, and the mayor of our city, the city of Hayden, got up and said, you preachers stood against alcohol and it has only helped our community. He made that statement referring to the marijuana processing plant. He said, you said it would do damage. It hasn't done damage. I'd like him to go visit the homes of the moms and the babies who haven't eaten anything because daddy's a slop drunk and he bought it at the gas station down the road from his house. I'd like them to go uh, look at all the corner reports of people that have died from cirrhosis of the liver. I'd like them to go visit the corner of all the people that have died from a drunk driver hitting a family. It absolutely has done damage. And there's plenty of scriptures, and I'm sure some of you are thinking of some, but I don't have time to go over them all this morning. But Isaiah chapter 65 and verse number 8. Look what the Bible says here about grape juice. Uh, Isaiah chapter 65 in verse number eight, I got a question too. I'm trying to collect my thoughts here on this. I got a question uh, how it's okay for some of these churches to give fermented wine to children, but they do. They do. It's 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 legal to do that in a church, in some of these churches. Sixty five eight. Thus saith the Lord, as the new wine is found in the what? It's in the cluster. So the Bible calls this grape juice. He calls it wine. It's referred to as wine. The new wine is found in the cluster. And one saith, destroyeth it not, for a blessing is in it, so will I do for my servant's sake, that I may not destroy them all. So we find the new wine is found in a cluster. Look at Genesis chapter number 40 for an example of new wine being put into a cup. 
Genesis chapter 40 and verse number 11. We're going to turn to several scriptures, so try to turn quickly. Uh, Genesis chapter 40 and verse number 11. This is talking about Pharaoh's butler. Genesis chapter 40, verse 11. You're there? Say amen. All right, look at it with me. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the what? The grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup. And I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. So comparing Isaiah 65 with Genesis chapter 40, what is Pharaoh drinking? He's drinking grape juice. Grape juice. Look at Matthew chapter 26. Another passage that is twisted in uh, commentaries and twisted in uh, other Bibles to make it seem like Jesus is enjoying some wine with some old wine with his apostles. Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 29. This is a passage that we use when we uh, remember the Lord's Supper. All right, verse number 29. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this, what? Fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Notice he did not say the, the, uh, the bottle. He didn't mention the bottle. He said this, look at the previous verse. Verse 27, he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this, did not say bottle, this fruit of the vine. You know what that means? I'm seeing a picture of what happened back in Genesis chapter 40. The fruit of the vine was squished into the cup. And they're drinking grape juice. They're drinking that what the Bible calls is new wine. The fruit of the vine, not the bottle. And uh, to make sure that you understand this more clearly in our Bible, that's why it says new. It says new. The new wine, not fruit. Fermented, he calls it new right here in the passage, verse 29. I drank it what? New with you. So he calls he calls it new right here in the passage. This is not fermented wine. This is another passage that is used to teach that he just drank wine with all of the apostles. So it's okay to have social drinking. This is used to try to teach that. And so uh in order for Christ to have turned the water to fermented wine, he was giving an intoxicating liquor to other people. And uh, in order for people to, to serve that kind of stuff, or even in their church, or to say it's okay, or to sit down and have a fellowship, and they try to use the Bible to try to prove that it's okay to do these things. There's no difference in, in, in serving intoxicating alcohol to a Christian under the guise of Holy Sacrament or the Bible. Uh, no difference in, in mugging a crippled man on crutches. It doesn't make any sense. All right? Uh, it was, it was, uh, if it was old wine, then Jesus Christ is a sinner. And there is a curse on him. And I'm not talking about the curse where he became a curse. The Bible says that Christ became a curse for you and me. It doesn't say that he sinned and was cursed. He became a curse. He was perfect, sinless. He became sin. He became a curse for you and I. It, he didn't sin. 
But if he turned this water to wine and served it, fermented wine to these guests, he is a sinner and he violated scripture. Look at Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk chapter 2. I hope there's nobody in here this morning that would get upset at this. Oh, what about a little wine for thy stomach's sake? I'm sure most of the medicine you take has got some kind of alcohol in it. I could go over all those verses, and, and I will if I need to. I can go over every verse that they use, and I can show you where they're wrong. All right, Habakkuk chapter number 2. I need to find it myself. All right, Habakkuk chapter number 2, look at verse number 15. Y'all there? All right, woe unto him that giveth his neighbor, what? Drink. Now, remember, the other times we saw where drink was given, it came straight from the cluster. Look what this says. That putteth, that puttest thy what? Thy bottle to him. We're talking about an old wine. We're talking about fermented wine. Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that putteth, that puttest thy bottle to him, and makest him what? Drunken. Now, every time you see in the Bible where they drunk something, I drunk some water this morning. That doesn't mean I was drunken or that I became drunken. When the Bible wants it to say drunken, it'll say drunken, and it says it right here. Him drunken also, that thou mayest look on their nakedness. It's funny that nakedness always has a connection with getting drunk. And uh, we find that in Scripture. So, uh, woe unto him, a curse is cast upon him that giveth his neighbor drink, give him a bottle to cause him to be drunken. And if Jesus Christ turned the water into fermented wine at a party to make them drunk, and that's what they do at a party when they drink alcohol, they try to get drunk. They try to get drunken. And uh, and so, if he would have done that, he would have violated Scripture. And you know what the context of the scripture is here in Habakkuk chapter number two? The context is the town fathers trying to use liquor as a source of income to make their town a better place to live. Look at verse number 12. Look at verse number. This is the context of what we just read. It says, woe to him that buildeth a town with blood and establisheth a city by iniquity. That's the context of giving your neighbor drink. Right here in Habakkuk chapter number 2, we find what mayors all over the United States, all over Alabama have done to bring liquor to their town so they can build it and make it a better place and use the tax revenue from it. And I'm telling you, it's never made a town better. It's never made anywhere better. Alcohol is not going to do that. And so we find the context there. So if, if there's enough intoxicating liquor there in we saw the gallons of gallons that Christ would have made. Uh, he would have violated Scripture. He would have violated Scripture. Go back to John chapter 2 with me. John chapter 2, back in our text. Jesus Christ was the one who put the bottle to them. Gave them the bottle if he's the one that did that. Verse number 10. 
The Bible answer to wine in this passage and in many other passages of scriptures is that Jesus Christ manufactured a supernatural wine. Nothing like had ever been tasted up to that point. All the other wines we find in the Bible, Jesus, they, they took the grapes and squeezed them. Jesus took water and turned it into wine. I mean, that was a wine that was manufactured that nobody had ever even tasted before. That was the best grape juice anybody has ever had in their life. And we see the reaction of the people, the governor of the feast, because of how great this tasted. He said, man, what in the world are you doing bringing the good stuff out last? He's like, usually you bring the good stuff out first, and then you bring out the stuff that doesn't taste as good. That you know, you first you first squeeze the grape, and that's that's the best of it. And then later you give it another squeeze, and more comes out, but that's not going to be as good as that first squeeze. And he said, "Why did you bring out the good stuff last? We, we, we drank up all this, and now you're going to bring out the good stuff." The servants knew that Jesus made this, but he didn't know it. That's what the Bible says, does it not? And so he got he got excited. Verse number ten, he makes the statement. He calls it the good wine. You brought out the good stuff. You know, you know why? Because when he tasted that, it was something like he's never tasted before in his life. It was it was the good it was it was the better tasting wine, the good stuff. Our our King James Bible, I love my Bible, but it words everything just right. You you, you don't have to mess it up. You just read what it says, and it says just right what it ought to be. The Bible here says that every man brings out the bad wine after his guests are, are have, have drunk. It says have well drunk. It did not say you brought out the good stuff after they were stopped drunk. That's not what it says. It says after they have well drunk. Not after they got stoned, not after they got tipsy, just after they have well drunk. Look at look at two examples of this. Look at First Samuel chapter one, an example of what I just said about the drunken drunken. I've already showed you one in Habakkuk. First Samuel chapter one. I, you've heard me say this a million times, and I'll keep saying it, Lord willing, until the day I die. But I love my Bible. I love how the Bible defines itself. I love how, you know, you just have to believe the words on the page and you'll be a whole lot better off. Don't let anybody convince you otherwise that it doesn't mean what it says. First Samuel chapter one and verse number nine. This is an example of what I just mentioned about about drinking or ha have drunk. It doesn't say drunk in, doesn't say that they got wasted. So Hannah rose up. First Samuel one nine. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh. And after they had what? After they had drunk. I mean, the, the, the Bible just said that they got done drinking something. It doesn't mean that they got drunk, right? Look, look, look in Ruth chapter number 3. Just go back a couple pages. You're right there at Ruth. Ruth chapter number 3 and verse number 7. And there's other examples in scriptures of this. I don't have time to go over them all. I already showed you the one in Habakkuk. Ruth chapter 3 and verse number 7. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn, and so on and so forth. It does not say when Boaz had eaten and gotten drunk. 
or he was drunk in. It said he ate and he drunk. The same thing. We sit down to a meal. You drank something. There's people in here. Uh, they drunk some water, whatever the case is. All right. You understand that. Now, listen, you can twist scripture to make it whatever you want it to say to justify your sin. People do it every day. They do it all the time. But that's not what the Bible's teaching. All right. That's not what it's teaching. Uh, turn to Matthew chapter number 11. Matthew chapter number 11. Jesus is never one time recorded anywhere in Scripture as having even sipped or tasted a glass of fermented wine. It's nowhere in the Bible. You cannot find it. If you have the right Bible in front of you. If you have a Bible that says anything otherwise, it is not the right one. It is a Catholic Bible. All right, uh, Matthew chapter number 11, and look at verse number 19. This verse is one of the text verse to justify drinking. Well, the Bible says it was a wine bibber. Oh, is that what it said? Look at Matthew chapter 11, verse number 19. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine bibber, as a friend a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of her children. There you go. It says right there, Jesus was a wine bibber. Well, what does it say right before that? And they say, who's they? Who's they? It, it, was, it was his murderous enemies. His murderous enemies who would cry, crucify him, crucify him, that got mad. Every, every God-called preacher Jesus Christ himself, all the way through time, that has stood up for truth and right, has been falsely accused of all kind of things. And Jesus is no exception. He was accused of being a wine-bibber. And so in an effort to get the congregation drunk and for people to justify social drinking, they follow Christ's example of being a wine-bibber. Christian scholars and commentaries back in Matthew 26 when we read about the Lord's Supper, almost every one of the commentaries and Christian scholars add the word wine when describing what took place that day. They try to justify it. Look with me in Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter, is everybody okay? Matthew chapter 27. manuscripts, biblical manuscripts down through the years that have been twisted and perverted and made up and all those kind of things, they made sure to, 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 to make it work that Jesus drank wine. Why? It fits the Catholics' agenda. They have to make it work. And so they make sure it fits in there every time. Uh, Brother Stephen, if you would, Matthew chapter 27, verse 34 uh, he has an NIV. An NIV is nothing more than a Catholic Bible. All right? Uh, and, and it comes from the manuscripts that a lot, all these other perversions come from. Matthew chapter 27, verse 34. All right, so uh, I gave it to him. He didn't bring it. And if you have one here this morning, follow along. You'll see what I'm talking about. And then afterwards, we'll get you a Bible. Matthew chapter 27, verse number 34. I want you to look at this verse before he puts it up on the screen. You'll be able to unplug that, Brother Stephen. It should have a good enough charge. Matthew 
need to do that. Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 34. All right. Uh, you can see it up there on the screen, but I'll, I want you to look at it in your King James Bible also. Matthew 27, 34. It says, they gave him in the King James vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. Look what the NIV says. See that? That says that Jesus tasted wine. Does it not say that? That he tasted it. Your Bible does not say that. It does not say that. But every, almost every, if I'm not mistaken, 99% of all the New Age Bible versions say this right here. They offer Jesus wine to drink. Christ did not even taste myrrh mingled with wine. Look with me in Mark chapter 15. Brother Stephen, just stay there now. I'll tell you the next one. Mark chapter 15. The Bible goes a step further in this argument of wine to tell you that he did not even taste wine. Mark chapter number 15. And look at verse number 23. They are trying to give him wine here in this passage. All right. And, and, and uh, who is uh, I know that I know the Jews gave him up, but who's trying to crucify him? The Romans. Right. Verse number. Twenty three. And they gave him to drink wine. That's what the King James says. Mingled with myrrh. But what does the Bible say? He received it not. You cannot find one place in Scripture where Jesus ever drank, tasted, fermented wine. It's not in there. But if you have another Bible, he tasted wine. If you have another Bible, he drank wine. If you have another Bible, he made wine for everybody to enjoy and drink. Old fermented wine is what I'm talking about. All right, Christ did not even taste it. The only thing he tasted was vinegar. That's the only thing he tasted. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all those passages vinegar is what he tasted look at john 19 30 brother Stephen. you can bring that one up john chapter 19 verse number 30 i didn't pull it up on the internet i wanted him to actually have one open in front of him to show you john chapter 19 and verse number 30 All right, John 19, 30, the King James says, when Jesus therefore had received the what? The vinegar. He said, it is finished. He bowed his head and gave up the ghost. What does the NIV said? When he had, he had one job. Yeah, that's all right. All right, now, uh, look at verse number 29. It said, a, it said a, he said, I'm thirsty. He said, a jar of what? Wine, wine vinegar was there. And then the verse number 30 said when he had what? Received the drink. That has Jesus drinking fermented wine. All right, that's not what the Bible says. Y'all see that as we're following along here? Christian universities, and again, the Catholic Church, popes, Catholic Bibles, they all have Jesus Christ receiving wine. Look at one more. Look, uh, look at uh, Matthew chapter 27, verse 34. Matthew 27, 34. Brother Stephen, we'll go there as well. 
Matthew 27, verse number 34. I'm just showing you their parallel passages dealing with the same subject. But I just want to show you what these Bibles are doing. You know, these, these Bible, the Bible being perverted is where most every single thing that is accepted today is accepted. Drinking. You can go into any church within 10 miles of here and walk in there and they will tell you that Jesus turned the water into fermented wine. I don't know of any that will tell you anything different. And uh, most of them, it's because, because their Bible tells them that, right? And they will argue with you about it. And they'll say it's okay to have social drinking. Uh, it's been a long time since I have heard a preacher get up and just preach on alcohol. They don't do it no more. And now what do we have? We've got marijuana coming in right down the road. It's just, it leads to worse and worse and worse. Matthew, Matthew 27, verse 34. Matthew 27, 34. All right, look what it says here. They gave him, in your King James, what? Vinegar to drink. Mixed with gall. Mingled with gall. Remember earlier, they tried to mingle some myrrh with wine and give it to him to drink. And he said he would not receive it. He would not put it to his lips. Why? Wine is a mocker straight. Strong drink is raging. Jesus knew that. Jesus knew in Habakkuk, if you give your neighbor drink so that they be drunken out of a bottle, then woe unto you, a curse is unto you. He knew those things. He wasn't going to partake of that. You didn't find Jesus social drinking. You didn't find him drinking to get drunk. What does it say here? They offered Jesus what? Wine to drink, comma, mixed with gall. They gave him wine to drink. You see how... Just these subtle differences can throw an entire town off in a city. Well, Jesus was okay with it. So why don't we sell it? Why don't we promote it? The Catholic Church. All the corrupt, surviving manuscripts down through the years. Vaticanus, Sinecatus, and you don't know all these things. I've taught some of this here before. Uh, the Jerome's Vulgate. All those things, they have corrupted the Scriptures to try to prove that Jesus drank wine, and that wine is okay. You know, in your Bible, in, 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 in the NIV, in, the, in Brother Stephen's Bible, the NIV, they remove the word sodomite. It's not found one time in that Bible. And they added wine. I wonder if there was some sodomite wine-drinking people that were on the committee for the NIV. Why, you wouldn't want that in there. You wouldn't want that in there. So in, in Mark 15:36, he, he was already there. We already saw it. They purposefully added the word wine in there to say that Jesus received wine. And uh, I think that's all we're going to need of that, Brother Stephen. Look with me in De Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 14. I'm going to wrap this up. Listen, there's other passages that people use to say it's okay to drink fermented wine, to drink alcohol. I believe that this, this study and what I'm about to show you right here will fix all the other ones. But if you still insist on the other passages meaning what you think they mean, then I'll either do another Sunday school or we can sit down and go over them. But I'll, I'll show you from the Scripture that's not what you think it is. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse number 14. 
And I, I, I do want to say that there is nothing particularly that on this Bible study this morning for Sunday school, this was birthed out of me just studying the book of John. So I didn't just, you know, I'm not trying to, I don't know of anybody in here that, that does this. The person I mentioned before does not go to our church anymore. And there may be some in here that do, I don't know. But uh, this was just birthed out of my personal Bible study. So I'm not, uh, if you're convicted about this, just get right with it. John chapter 32, verse number 14. On, oh, sorry, Deuteronomy, I apologize. Deuteronomy 32 and verse number 14. Butter of kine and milk of sheep with fat of lambs and rams of the breed of Bashan and goats with the fat of the kidneys of wheat. And thou didst drink the pure, what? Blood of the grape. We find a verse here that compares that fresh grape juice. Freshly squeezed into a cup. The Bible here calls it the pure blood of the grape. The pure blood of the grape. And that has a great significance. Because in Matthew 26, when we take the Lord's Supper, He holds up pure grape juice and said, this is my blood. We don't believe like the Catholics where when we go to drink it, that God turns it into blood. We're drinking literally blood-sucking Christians. Right? The pure blood of the grape. You know what grape juice, pure blood of the grape, grape juice? It is a picture of the blood of Jesus Christ. It is a picture of new blood. It is a picture of pure blood. It is a picture of clean, perfect, sinless blood. When we do uh, remember the Lord's Supper, remember what He did for us on the cross, we use Welch's 100% grape juice. Right? That's the best one I know of right now. And it is a picture of Christ's blood. It ties right in with our passage in the book of John. Go back there to the book of John, chapter 2. And i got to hurry. i only got a minute left. John, chapter number 2. Some people can't quite understand why this verse is stuck right in the middle of the story. But it makes perfect sense. John chapter 2, verse 4. Jesus saith unto her. Well, verse 3. Uh, Jesus, we're out of wine. You know what Jesus is thinking about? He's not thinking about that wedding. He's not thinking about them not having no grape juice. He's thinking about the cross. When he hears they have no wine, he's thinking about the cross. In verse number 4, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. You know what he's thinking about? He's thinking about the blood that he's going to have to shed on the cross of Calvary. He said, my time's... Hey, these people need blood. They need pure, sinless blood. And I'm here to give it to them, but my time's not come yet. That's what he's thinking about. And then she just turns around and says, hey, whatever he says, just do it. Is that not what it says in the text? He says, woman, what have I to do with thee? This is his mom, you know, precious Virgin Mary. Turn around and says, woman, what have I to do with thee? And she just says, hey, whatever he tells you to do, do it. What is Jesus thinking about? He's thinking about the cross. When he thinks about wine, when he thinks about those things, he's thinking about the cross of Calvary. And we see that. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 17. Just a couple more verses, if you would, quickly. So I can finish this. Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 17.
Isn't, isn't your Bible fascinating? Y'all pray for Brother Stephen, his Bible back there. Matthew chapter 9, verse number 17. Neither do men put new wine into what? Old bottles. Talking about putting pure the pure blood of the grape. Freshly squeezed grape juice. Do not put it into old bottles. Else the bottles break, and the new wine runneth out. And the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are what? Preserved. You know what this is a picture of? It, it is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ being applied to a new creature when they get saved, a new man. Uh, John chapter 3, verse 5 talks, talk, talks about a new birth, right? Talking about the blood of Jesus Christ makes you a new creature in him. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The blood of Jesus Christ Placed on you, you become a new creature. Now he comes to live in a new bottle. He comes to live in a new body, a new temple. And now he lives inside of there. If Jesus was the, well, Jesus couldn't. He, he, God and the person of the Holy Spirit, if, if, if you were not regenerated and born again and saved, uh, he couldn't live inside of you. And you'd burst to pieces. You ever heard people say, well, I'm not stepping foot in a church. If I do, man, lightning will strike me. You know what? Uh, they're they're thinking they need to get saved, but there is some truth to it. Amen. Like, man, I, I would explode if I walked into a church. Well, you need to get born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, and then you can go on to live a Christian life. People are trying to live a Christian life, and they're they're doing it in an old bottle, and they can't do it. It's they're not satisfied. They can't get no peace. They can't get no joy. They're trying to live a Christian life. They're trying to live this new life in Christ in an old body, a damnic body. Now, listen, I know our flesh is not saved yet. I'm talking about that new man that's regenerated. There it says both the, both the bottle and the wine are preserved. When you got saved, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit of God until the day of redemption. You are preserved. Hebrews 9.14. Hebrews 9.14. When you read when you read that in John chapter two, don't don't think about liquor. Think about the blood of Jesus Christ. Think about what he did. His very first miracle was a picture of what he came to do, and that was to save mankind. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Luke nineteen ten. Hebrews chapter nine, verse number fourteen. How much more shall the what? Y'all there? Hebrews nine fourteen. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? That's what Jesus Christ did for us the very day that we got saved. And I'm not going to go back into the doctrine of spiritual circumcision, but most everybody here understands that. I've taught it numerous times that when Jesus Christ when the day you got saved, he took this word, this, this sharp sword, Hebrews 4.12, and he went in and he cut your flesh away from your soul, and you became a new creature in Christ. The blood was applied. And so thus, we read in John chapter 3 about a new bottle. 
about a new wine, those things are required in order for us to get saved. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish with that. Listen, there's a lot of other verses to go over. Go ahead. Twenty-three, verse thirty. Oh yeah, there's all through the book of Proverbs. Proverbs twenty-seven, one. There's there's a lot of them. Verse thirty: They that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine, look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself right at the last, it biteth like a serpent, stingeth like a, an adder. Uh, results of it, thine eye shall behold strange. When it goes on, yeah. And, and, and there, like I said, there is a lot of verses that I could go into to cover this. Yes, sir. Oh, absolutely. 